today on It's Time. Moses had a real issue with with anger. By the way, a lot of us do too, and we like to pass it off. Well, it's that old Irish anger of mine, or it's that old Italian anger. No, it's the old sin nature anger in us is what it is. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, as we go through this book. Again, why? Because it's how God will govern the world someday. People a lot of times say, well, how God's going to judge the world someday? Through the Word of God. You already know. So why would you want to not know what God's rules are? I I always like to know what the rules are. You know... um, you know, it, it always is difficult when you're doing something and somebody says, oh, well, there's a rule. You can't do that. Well, I didn't know about that rule. Well, that's where you get punished. Well, I'd rather know what God has to say about anything than be ignorant. Father, as we go to your word today, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and reveal to us, God, that you're still the same God of the Old Testament as you are in the New. A God that loves, that forgives, restores, and blesses. In Jesus' name, amen. People have often asked, why was God such a God of wrath and fire and brimstone in the Old Testament? Such a God of love and grace in the New. God changed. No, God didn't change. He's a God of grace in the Old Testament as well as in the New. And he's also a God of judgment in the Old as he is in the New. When you read again, when you look at Revelation especially the Battle of Armageddon. When Jesus Christ comes back and he defeats the armies of the world in the Valley of Megiddo. Well, he says here in chapter 34, verse 1, let's read. And the Lord said to Moses, and by the way, this is great news. After everything that the children of Israel had done, building a golden calf, Moses breaking the first set of of the tablets of stone, God spoke to Moses. I I like that about God. God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. And God continues to work with you in spite of our failures. Notice he says, God, the Lord spoke to Moses. Cut two tablets of stone, like the first ones, and I will write on these stones of tablet the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Now, these uh, that were made eventually ended up in the Ark of the Covenant. That's where they ended up, as well as the staff that budded. We remember a jar of manna, these kinds of things. Okay, so be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. 
And no man shall come up with you. Let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. God would not allow anybody else to come up. You know, they really committed a pretty serious offense building the golden calf. Now, God forgave them, but there's consequences. If we do things, we can separate ourselves from God. Now, God is willing to forgive us, but we got to remember, sometimes there's consequences. And here's a good place for that. So we cut two tablets of stone, like the first ones. Then Moses rose up early in the morning, went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took his hand on the two tablets of stone. So Moses goes up the mountain. Now, he didn't know how long he was going to be up there. God just says, come up, bring the tablets of stone. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, I think this is interesting here. You find the cloud or the Shekinah glory of the Lord appearing not only here, but we remember when he would go into the tabernacle, the cloud last week as we studied would come and, and be there in the presence of the doorway. We find that uh, oftentimes the priest in the temple could not minister because of the Shekinah glory of the Lord. It's just the essence of God that was in such a thick way that it was difficult to function when you're overwhelmed with the presence of God. And so he says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord uh, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Notice it says, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Just like in the New Testament, God didn't change. It's just the way we approach God. And if we approach God in full of sin, we're going to find the wrath of God. If you approach God in forgiveness, you're going to find the mercy of God. How do we then approach God not full of sin? Well, that's what Jesus did for all of us. He died on the cross for us. Paul says we've wrapped ourselves in his righteousness. And friends, that's what makes you holy. Nothing you have ever done will make you holy. This is one of the dangers and what Paul explains to the churches scattered out through the region of Galatia, that we're not justified by the law. The law was meant to show us our need for a savior. We cannot approach God and saying, God, look at all the things that I've done. Look how good I am. When the Bible tells us our righteousness emanates, begins and ends with Christ. It isn't that we can generate righteousness in ourselves. For if we could, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. This is the foolishness of trying to live under the law rather than in the love of Christ. So he tells us, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I want to stop here for just a second because there's endless books written in bookstores on generational curses. I believe that's completely bogus. The Bible says God visits the sins of the parents upon the children. 
Now that doesn't mean it's a generational curse. What it means is that there are behaviors that you do, that I do, that will affect others. And more than anybody else, children. When children are in a broken home, for instance, they get their role models, who they'll marry someday, or what they view to be a good spouse from the home. And when the home is broken, this is a weakness that then is in the child. This is why I believe the church is so important, because for those who have a broken home, moms and dads, you can be the fathers to those that have no dad or have no mom. That they'll get a better understanding of what they need as far as what a family is from the body of Christ because their home has been damaged. When you stop to think of the babies that were born to crack moms and, and all those different addictions that are out there, those sins of the parents are visited upon the children. When you realize that there's learned behavior in families... Well, my daddy drank and his granddaddy drank and that's why I drink. Excuse. But it's ingrained that this is normal life. The sins of the parents are visited upon the children. That's why you don't want to live in sin as a Christian. Because the thing is, these are learned behaviors that are passed on or addictions that are passed on or mindsets that are passed on to the third and fourth generation, those that hate him. See, this is why, again, we have to be careful. So it isn't an eeny beeny, chilly beeny curse. It's just learned behavior or, again, um, addictive behavior or, or needs. See, these are all part of what we have in a fallen world. And so he says, Moses made haste and bowed uh, his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. Even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon and pardon our iniquity in our sin and take us, us as your inheritance. This is really important because Moses was an intercessor. And an intercessor went between God and people. Now, by the way, everybody, you as a Christian, that's what you are too. The Bible says we are a kingdom of priests and we represent God to the people out there and the people to God. We pray for them, for their lost souls, and we represent God in his mercy and love to them. Now, one of the things that I find here is important. And if you like to underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline this. Even though we are a stiff-necked people, that stiff-necked again comes from the term when you try to plow a field and uh, you'd pull on the reins to turn the, the oxen a certain direction and you'd pull and pull and pull and they would keep going their direction. That's stiff-necked. That, it's a farming term from the old world. Well, what is interesting there though, and if you like to underline things in your Bible, underline the word we. Interestingly enough, Moses includes himself in the rebellion of his people. Now, friends, if you're ever going to be a real minister, you're ever going to be a real pastor, remember, there by the grace of God go I. I know a lot of ministers, I know a lot of people that think that they are better than somebody else. 
They don't realize what makes them better. What makes you better is Jesus in you, not anything you did or didn't do. And yet I run into so many people today that feel that, well, I'm a superior person than you. One of the things that Moses realized is I'm a bozo on this bus like everybody else. Friends, it's the truth. We remember when Moses came down out of the mountain and he had the Ten Commandments in his hand, the one that God gave him, when he saw everybody dancing around the golden calf, anger filled his heart. He took the tablets of stone and threw them down and broke them. God never told him to throw those down and break them. I know there's all kinds of analogies that people use for that, but simply the point is this. His anger got to him. Moses realized he was a man of anger. Remember, he killed the Egyptian that was beating up on a couple of Hebrews? Buried him in the sand? Moses had a real issue with with anger. By the way, a lot of us do too. And we like to pass it off. Well, it's that old Irish anger of mine, or it's that old Italian anger. No, it's the old sin nature anger in us is what it is. I'd like to blame my grandparents and parents for their anger. But you know, the the problem is, is that when it don't go our way, we get mad. And, And I'm not saying there isn't righteous anger, because I do believe there is. I think that's a little bit what spawned in Moses, but it caused a reaction where he broke the Ten Commandments that God had made himself. So I look at this and I realize he said, us, we are a stiff necked people. And I look at that and I realize if we're going to be a good priest, if we're going to be a good um, mediator, we're going to remember what it was like when we were. That will keep two things from happening. One, you from talking down to somebody and us exalting ourselves so we no longer can minister to people. See, it's interesting. He said... Us. He didn't say, yeah, them. He said, yeah, us. And I believe that's really important because, you know, that's why people don't want to go to church. They feel that people are going to judge them. They feel they're going to fail. They feel they're not going to come up to the standard in which church is. Friends, let me tell you something. We're not. We are sinners saved by grace. Yes, now saints, but not because of anything we have done but because what God has done for us. And so verse 10, and he said, behold, I make a a covenant before your people and I will do marvels such as they have not seen and been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, all the people among whom you are you shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do for you. I like that. God's saying, look, I'm going to do some awesome things for you. In fact, they're going to be so awesome, nobody's ever seen anything like this. Now, friends, I I read this and I thought, how great it was for them to see that. But you know what? I believe if you walk in the Spirit today, you'll see it as well. You'll see God do things that you would dream would be impossible. I do that a lot of times when I look at the radio network that the Lord has allowed us to run for him. 
I look at the things that God has done in my life and things that I know I didn't deserve, but God's good. And God doesn't have favorites in what he's done for others, what he's done for them, he'll do for you. All he wants from us is to just say, hey, I want to know you. You know, it's interesting. If you go back to verse 18 of the previous chapter, Moses said, please show me your glory. I like that. Moses said, I want to know more of who you are. The next verse says, and then he said, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I like that. You want to know God? God says, I want to know you. Isn't that good? You see, the thing is, is that God will answer that desire of our heart. And so he says, this is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I'm driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Prezite, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Take heed for yourself lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare to you instead. You know, what's really weird is that things outside of God can snare us. And it can snare us in different ways. It can skew my view of who God is. Do you know today the tendency in the churches of America today and around the world is to bend the word of God to fit the culture of our day? Well, bad isn't all that bad. Good isn't all that good. It's just how you look at it. Well, you know, all the different things that are popularized by Hollywood that now are being mainstream in our culture and in our society. And you go back to the word of God, this archaic book from the Victorian age. What's wrong with it? Hey, we need to modernize. And so we have churches ordaining homosexual pastors, homosexual women. All these things the Bible prohibits. Read Romans chapter 1, New Testament. Very clear what the Bible says. And we find this modernization of the Bible, which is going contrary to what the Spirit of God says. This is now the norm. Well, because this is going on, we don't interpret the data at hand properly. Have you noticed that World War III is kind of like getting ready to start? Have you noticed that? Well, when you stop to think about all these different things that are going on, hey, friends, the Bible says, Jesus said, Matthew 24, wars and rumors of wars. We have that going on right now. People cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. You look and think about all the different things that have gone on. Remember back in the 60s? Oh, you know, we're just going to have a love in, man. We're, you know, no, make peace, not war. You know, uh, get rid of all your nukes. Get rid of the military. You heard that, remember? If that would have happened, we'd all been speaking Russian right now. Thank God there was a few people that listened. But America's not listening anymore. I uh, had some friends here last week, and they were telling me that they were from, uh, they were missile rocket science, and, and they said that they were involved in the military. And they said, we are so far behind Russia and China. If you just do a cursory overview, just go home. You don't believe a word I'm saying. Just read about a surprise attack on America by Russia. It's very much a reality, friends. It's not something that is hard to understand, but when the world perceives America is weak, crazy stuff is going to happen. This invasion that we all saw this week against a nation that was at peace. 
Why would you do this? China's going to make their move on Taiwan. You watch. Because, again, communism is a failed form of government. It takes from everybody else. They say, well, we're going to take from the rich, and we're going to redistribute the wealth. And then when all the rich are gone, we're going to take from the middle class and give it to the poor. And then pretty soon there's nothing left. This is the problem with it. When you look at the leadership of Chairman Mao and Joseph Stalin murdering 20 to 30 million of his own fellow Russians... When you look at Mao Zedong murdering between 50 and 60 million Chinese, it is, a, it is a party, it is a form of government with no conscience to attack a nation that's at peace. They weren't a threat to Russia, but they have no conscience. But you see, these parties that are now evolving in America, they have no conscience either. How can you murder 70 million babies in the name of abortion, and believe that this is okay. You see, this is one of the great problems that we find in our country today. As you depart from God, wickedness comes in. As you adapt the philosophy of the world into your personal lives, into your government, into a global picture, you're going to be skewed. This is why God was warning, don't let their influence influence you. Take heed for yourself, verse 12 again, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare to your midst. But you shall be, but you shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Well, I thought jealousy was a sin. No, it's interesting. God's a jealous God. Do you know what he's jealous over? You know what God values? You. He don't want to share you with anybody. You might say a loving couple, a husband and a wife, he's jealous for his wife. He doesn't want anybody else to be loving her. He doesn't want anybody, she doesn't want anybody else loving him. You see, jealousy is a sin, but when it comes to us, because we're jealous for the wrong things. I want what you got, give it to me. Covetousness as well. But when we look at really what the Bible says, God wants you all to himself. First of all, that makes me feel pretty good. He don't want to share me. And second of all, God's not jealous for gold or silver. He's jealous for you. Jesus said, behold, I come as a thief. Why does he say that? Because he's coming for what's valuable. You know, it's really weird that people, thieves, when they break into your house, they don't steal your floor mats. Isn't that weird? You know, they, they want to take your, you know, your cameras. They want to take your, your radio. They want to take your, your money, they, you know, whatever they can find. When Jesus said, I'm coming as a thief, he's coming to take something, not gold, not silver, he's coming to take us. I like that. Jesus puts great value on us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. See, that's who God is. He loves you. 
And you know what? I need to be reminded that I'm loved because we live in a pretty unloving world. All the love that we get out there, and I'm speaking in the world, around us is conditional love. I love you if. God says, I love you, period. And there's a big difference about that. And and by the way, in dating and in love and all those kinds of things, that's what love is. I love you, period. I don't love, well, uh, I love you if you let me. You know, that's the world. We don't want to adapt their philosophy into us. But remember, the ongoing fight is that. The devil wants to infect the church with his poison. Friends, we have to remember that. So if we can move away from the word of God, anything becomes acceptable. I've had people say, Mike, you're so opinionated. I said, yeah, you're right. And when you read the Bible, you'll become opinionated too. Why is that? Well, if I don't know what the Bible says, I can truthfully say, true is true if it's true to you. But once you read the Bible, once you know what God has to say, once you know what his statutes are that aren't polluted by the world society, now all of a sudden I have an opinion. I know what God says, and I want what God says to be my opinion. So it isn't that, well, you know, there's a lot of paths to God. No, that ain't what we just read. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike, and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.